Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Learning how to pray is like, like learning a new, whole new language, right? It's like if you come to Germany and you have to learn German, or you're growing up and you're just f- starting to form words. And, you know, as a, as a child, we're going to, you know, we're going to imitate usually the adults around us, <coughs> excuse me, our parents or whatever, and we're going to, but we have to learn the language. And there's, there is a language to prayer that we need to learn. And, you know, as a child, we probably, a lot of us, at some point when we would pray at night, we'd get down on our knees next to bed, and we'd pray for mom and dad, and we'd pray for our brothers and sisters, we'd pray for family, we'd pray for the dog, you know, um, because at that time, that's our world, right? We're five or six years old, we're praying for the first time, mom and dad are teaching us how to pray, and that's our whole world, you know, that we don't know anything outside of that. So... As we mature in the church and we learn that there are ways to pray to God, there's a oh, how to pray to God. And you know, as I was, I was doing my sermon stuff this week, so I, I went on to Google just, just to take a look, because, you know, why not? So when I type in how to pray, we've got over 267 million hits on how to pray. And what to pray was even more, it was 319 million. So it's a lot of resources out there. Did I go through each and every one? No, because who's got the time? But we only really need one resource to learn how to pray, right? The Bible. And Jesus is, teaches us how to pray. You know, you know when we, we go into the scripture, he's going to keep it short and simple. You know, we're going to use the KISS method, right? It's going to be effective. He wants it to be effective. He doesn't want us just standing around babbling on and on and on and on about what we want from God. You know, he says you go, to pr- you go in private and you have your private time with God and that's when you pray, other than obviously communal prayer here at the church. But you're not going to be like the Sadducees and stand up in front of everybody and just pray on and on and on and on. This is a relationship between you and God. And that's, prayer is that communication, Right. So as, you, as I go through the message, just kind of think about, you know, why did God create prayer? And I'm going to come back to that a little bit later on in the sermon. But just as I go through this and we, we look at how Jesus did it and taught us how to do it, then you will kind of understand that, uh, you know, why prayer is important and how we should do it and what we should be saying and what we should be asking for. So our first scripture is, is Luke uh, 1 through 4. It's up on the screen. Now, uh, the first part of this I'm going to read off. Um, the second part, I'm going to go back to, because I, I grew up Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic school, was an altar boy. So I have ingrained in my head the Lord's Prayer the way I know it and most comfortable saying it. Uh, during the 9 o'clock service, a lot of people were mouthing it along with me, so please feel free <laughs> or say it out loud, whatever it is you learned. But um, I have it in a way, and nothing else really kind of sounds right in my head. So... <laughs> So Jesus, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. 
And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The kingdom and power and glory are yours now and forever. So like I said, it's a little different from what was up on the screen, but again, that's, that's how I kind of, that's how I learned it. So we're gonna break this down a little bit because the first and foremost thing that Jesus teaches us to do is honor God with our prayer, right? And if any of you have used the ACTS model, A-C-T-S, not the book, but the actual model for praying, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, we start off with adoration. We start off with letting God know that he is our awesome father, that he is God and he is the, the giver of all life. He's the, he is the reason we're here. So we have to start with that. We have to start with adoring God. So we start with that. And then we're gonna go to his kingdom, having his kingdom here on earth. Now this one, you know, when we pray for God's will to be done, it can be a little scary sometimes. Because if we're praying with no caveat to that, and God decides he's going to send us somewhere, or maybe we're not comfortable with, but we tend to pray with caveats, right? We tend to pray with God, it, let it be your will that I get to go do this, or I get to go to this place, or I get this promotion, or I get this job. But not, not really where God wants us. So his kingdom here on earth, it's, you know, heaven's gonna, obviously is a lot different than earth, right? We, we learn about it in, in the Bible. And right now, we're not seeing that here on earth, are we? There's a lot of dissent going on around the world, especially in the United States. Is that really God's kingdom going on? No. You know, we have, you know, people are over the COVID thing. You know, even though they're not, the numbers are skyrocketing back in the States. So people are, you know, getting more and more frustrated. You know, everything that happened a couple months ago, you know, with the, the protests and the riots, you know, that is not God's kingdom. That is not how we see it. So that's why we have to really, on this point, <coughs> excuse me, really focus on what God's kingdom looks like, right? We need to take that time and get into the Bible and read about how God's kingdom looks and be ready for it. So we just got to look past what's going on here in the world, right? And that's not always easy. It's flying at us all the time in news and social media and, and everything. You know, we are just news, bad news sells, right? So that's what we're going to see on the news most of the time. But if we're focused on God and focused on the Bible and focused on praying, we can hopefully see past that. So our next place is give us our daily bread. God's our ultimate provider, right? You know, do we really want for anything here? I mean, I don't know of anybody at the church here that is in really a need, right? There, nobody's destitute. Nobody's, you know, maybe we might have times making the bills pay depending on how much we make and what we pay out and everything else. But 
we all do pretty well here. We're here, most of us are here for the government. You know, we have housing allowances, we have pretty good incomes. You know, we can travel now, <laughs> uh, at least around Europe. So is there anything that God hasn't provided to us? Because food, water, and shelter is all we really need to survive, right? So if, as long as we have those things, it's great. So in Matthew 6.25, we go to, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and a body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, I know it's not the first time anybody in this church has heard this scripture, but it's, it's, it's very appropriate for this part of the Lord's Prayer. Because he provides us with a roof over our heads, clothes on our back, food on our table, or he provides us for the means to have those things, right? So we're really not in want, you know, because everything else we need or anything else that we pray for over and above that really is a want. It's not really a need. So, so our next big point, and this is sometimes the hardest for a lot of us, is being able to forgive others so we can have forgiveness. Because God says, it says in the Bible that we're not going to get our sins forgiven if we're not forgiving others people's sins for, against us or trespasses or debts. It's very, there's multiple languages used in different Bibles, but whatever it is, whatever message you're reading, it's still the same. If we are not going to really forgive somebody who's wronged us, how can God forgive our sins against him? So we have to take that time and, and again, look, at our, look inward, see what's holding us back from receiving the gifts God has for us. Or receiving the forgiveness God has for us, because Jesus says we, we're, we, we, He's there to forgive us. He got up on the cross, and took the hit on our sins. So why is it so hard for us to forgive somebody else? It's because we're human beings. We're not perfect, right? But we have to take that time to really learn to forgive other people that have wronged us, as it really helps us move on. And, and be able to accept God's grace for our sins. So he's also our protector, right? We ask him to lead us away from temptation, deliver us from evil. So God puts his hedge of protection around us because he knows we're weak flesh, right? We're, we, you know, even as Christians, we know stories of people who have gotten to a certain level in the church or in theology or famous for this or that or the other thing, and then next thing you know, they, they've fallen from grace. You know, there's a, an embezzlement at the church or some kind of scandal with possibly adultery or something like that, because we're not perfect. We're human beings, and neither are they. We put them on such a pedestal because they may have, they may be leading a mega church. They have 10,000 people coming to service doesn't mean that there's, you know, and I'm not saying they're all like that. Please don't <laughs> think that, you know, they're bad people. They are not. <laughs> but we've seen stories like that, right? 
So we really have to pray to God to keep us in line, to keep us protected. You know, there's, like I said just a few minutes ago, there's so many things flying at us in this world, especially with our, our teenagers, right? I mean, they're probably more social media savvy than any of us. And there's a lot of things out there that you know, are targeted towards them. So you know, pray for protection around your family, around your kids, around everybody, even around your, your fellow Christians. And we, we've all known somebody who's probably fallen, who's needed our help, and we reached out our hand to pull them up and pray with them, you know, to keep them protected, to get through whatever it is they're going through. Prayers, uh, not to coin the <clears throat> steal from the title, but it, prayer is powerful, right? We've seen prayer work. You know, so it's, it, we have to take that time to pray. Uh, is it simple? Not always. Do we have the time? We could probably say no. You know, we all have busy schedules. You know, we work, kids, things like that. We all have the same 24 hours in the day. You know, we were talking about this in, in small group a while back, or growth group a while back, uh, during the tithe, uh, when Matt, Pastor Matt did the tithe uh, sermon. And, you know, this, this, and we were just talking about it, the church, we always kind of focus on the financial part of it, right? On, on helping the church financially. But what about your time? You know, are you devoting 10% of your time of the day to God? You know, we look at it and go, man, that's two hours. I was corrected earlier. I said two hours and 40 minutes, but Alex Del Castillo corrected me and said it's two hours and 24 minutes. So <laughs> if you do the math correctly, I don't know. I'm not a math guy. So two hours and 24 minutes sounds like a long time, right? But is it? Are we more focused on binge watching the next series on Netflix that we've been waiting for? Can we take, you know, a few, you know, maybe 30 minutes at the beginning of our day and end of our day, and then, you know, are we witnessing to people, you know, like we should be? I know it's hard in, in our professions and being in government spaces, you know, there's some rules that have to apply. But can you not, maybe when you're out to lunch with them, invite them to church, you know, or, or maybe you know something they're going through and just ask to pray for them, right? You know, that, that's all part of that time in you know, expanding God's kingdom here on earth. Now, how would that look when, you know, I, I preached on John the Baptist a month or so ago on purpose, and, you know, John the Baptist knew his purpose. He knew what he was here for. And I know that time and time again, we've, at some point, everybody's prayed for asking God what their purpose is here on earth. And our number one purpose is the same for everybody, is to, to you know, preach the good news of Jesus Christ is the Great Commission. That's our, that's our number one purpose, by God, and, and then praying to go and do that purpose where God needs us to. Again, another scary thing, because if we're praying for God's will to expand his purpose, maybe Stuttgart, Germany is not it. So when you're praying for that and he decides he's going to send you, now, I, I mentioned this earlier because Danique and I have talked about this many times, my wife, and um, about that, because she's, she's afraid God's going to call us to like Afghanistan or Iraq to start missionary work. Not our thing. We don't really have a heart for it, and I think God knows that, so I don't think he'll send us to the depths of Africa or Afghanistan or anything, but I could be wrong. 
you know. But it's a scary thing to put out there, to just pray with no caveat. God, just do your will. So as we move on to, are you going to the next slide? Thank you. Um, there's a quote that came up while I was doing this, which, which really lends, goes, transitions well into our next section here. And uh, it says, when we pray our Father, we remind ourselves of his closeness, his wisdom, his patience, and his care. Time doesn't allow us to discuss the limitless applications of this truth, but just know this, God calls us first and foremost to embrace our relationship with him as Father. So if you go to Luke 11, 9, the next scripture, up on the, the Sky Bible as Jordan calls it, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Uh, uh, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So first we're, we're going to learn here that prayer is not a passive thing. It's active. You're going to ask, you're going to be given to you. You're going to be knocking, the door's going to open. We all pray for when we're PCSing in and out. Lord, open doors, close windows. Or, you know, or, or again, we're trying to twist God's arm and say, hey, God, I want to go here for my next PCS station. So, but we have to be active. We have to take the time to sit down with God. And it's not to change God's mind. God's mind's not going to change. Prayer is to change our hearts to be more in line with God's. So when he does say no, and he does say no, right? I mean, he said no to his own son. Jesus prayed to have this cup, take it away if it's your will, Father. You know, and God said no. He basically said no. He sent his own son up on the cross for our sins. That's a big no. And we get upset when we go, why, God, why didn't you let me have this? Why did you say no to this? You know, so take a minute next time when we're praying that to say, well, you know, you said no to your own son. That's, that's pretty huge. So maybe, obviously, you must have something better for me to do or something for me, a better place for me to be. So, you know, in this, in this world now of name it and claim it, I'm sure people have heard that new this ministry that's been around. I think it's been around for a little bit. And that if you pray it, you're going to get it. Well, how dangerous is that? You know, because then if you don't get it, then you're not, you're, your faith is going to start getting chipped away, right? Why, why would you keep believing if you're in this name it and claim it ministry and you're not getting what God has, you're asking for? Because you're not understanding that God knows better than we do. Just because we want it, God knows it. We know it, you know, just talking about the nose a minute ago. He knows that it's not good for us. You know, so again, we, when we talk about a good father, um, we, know that, uh, we know that there's not some good ones here on earth, right? We know a lot of people maybe along the way that have been abused by their father, mentally, physically. You know, so when they come to Christ, they come to the church, and they hear about this awesome father who's going to love them and take care of them, 
How hard do you think that is for them to accept? We're talking about a father they don't see, right? They don't, you'll physically see God. And now you're asking someone not to just believe in something they don't see, but believe in this, that this father that they don't see, even see is a good father. Because their, their basis for a father is the one they've had here on earth. That's a hard thing to get over, right? And you think about it, I mean, my dad wasn't the most engaged guy in the world. His, his thing was um, he, he went and worked hard and he provided, and he felt that as long as he did that, everything else, my mom would take care of everything else, which she did, but he really never engaged with us in our lives because to him, going out and working hard and providing was enough. The rest of the time was his to go do what he wanted to do. So, you know, I, now I, like I mentioned, I grew up in the Catholic church. My mom took us to church. So, you know, I knew who God was and I knew Jesus and I didn't know them, know them. I hadn't yet to accept Jesus Christ, my Lord and savior at that time, but at least I knew who he was, you know? So when you have somebody who's brand new, maybe, and, and it could be somebody who grew up in the church. We know stories of fathers who were pastors or maybe high up on the church councils who have fallen, you know, and so that gives a whole nother, you know, image to a, a child who now sees their dad, who was supposedly way up here in his faith, has fallen, and now they're thinking, well, what's going to happen to me? You know, what's going to happen to me when I get there? So not everybody has that great view of a dad growing up. And so we have to be, when, when somebody new comes to the church, especially in that situation, I think it's a, it's a lot more sensitive to, you know, just get in there, instead of just getting in their faces, like, Jesus Christ is our Lord and he's going to save you. And if you don't believe in him, you're going to go to hell. You know, we have to, you know, kind of work with kid gloves, right? And take them alongside, teach them how to pray, pray for them and be there for them when they need it. So what is the biggest thing we can ask for during prayer? is the Holy Spirit. That's the biggest gift we can ask for. Why? Because he knows the very mind of God. You know, as we pray and, and the, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and changing our hearts to become in line with God. So we can understand maybe why he says no. We can understand why he says yes. Maybe we can understand why what's going on in the world will sometime, somehow, some way, someday glorify his kingdom. Right, we saw great revivals when COVID hit, right? People were going to, started going to church. See, people started going online to go to church and accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's awesome. And we hope it continues. But part of that is us going out there and spreading that message. Going out there and taking that purpose they talked about with John the Baptist, combining it with prayer, learning where God wants us to go with it. <coughs> Excuse me. And taking that step out. It's not gonna be easy. I know there's some people who are very introverted, who don't like going and talk to people, but maybe there's a way God has figured out a way for them to, to relate. You know, everybody can, and they're sure somebody has a story we can relate to, somebody can relate to. It might be the extrovert who's really ready to run out there and take on the world, and God actually tells him, whoa, whoa slow down, maybe take a minute, because you need to learn this, this, and this first. So, you know, it's it's, very, very important to, to really understand 
what God's purpose is, you know, uh, not God's purpose, I'm sorry, God's will is for us. So before we go running out into the world and, you know, sometimes it's good to leap, you know, leap before you look. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> but you have to at least sit down and get a plan together with God and understand what his plan is. I keep hitting this thing and it's probably showing up on the mic. <laughs> so we're, uh, I just threw myself totally off. <laughs> but it's hard not to be in control, right? We like to think we have control. And, and we do, we, have, we do really have control over our actions. You know, we don't have control over where God wants us to go. We don't have control over what God wants us to do, but we do have control of our actions. So we can take that will that God's put out for us, and he can, uh, you know, we can just sit on it and do nothing, or we can take action, which is what God wants us to do. And again, depending on where he's planning to send us, where he's wanting us to be, that can be a really hard pill to swallow for some people. But going back to God's protection, God's providence, God's you know, uh, dependence, is that he is going to take care of things for us. He's going to pave the way. He's going to put his hedge of protection around us. He's going to supply what we need, right? And we go on to Luke 18, 1. And here we're going to talk a little bit about God's prayer with persistence. So, uh, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they always, ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though in neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. <laughs> we know some people like that, right? So verse six, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and he will, and he, and will not give God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So in this, this parable, the judge isn't the hero, right? He couldn't care less. He, didn't have, he didn't, wasn't beholden to God. He wasn't beholden to man. He really did not want to help this widow. And in ancient Israel, becoming a widow was a, a really could be a really bad thing because if they didn't have sons or lineage to help work the land that their husband had they usually didn't get to keep it somebody else and doing uh working on this you know it's the reason she was going to him is somebody else was trying to take her land somebody else was trying to lay claim to it and so she wanted justice for that because it was her husband's land so she could have become destitute on the street, have nothing. And this judge really didn't care. But she kept coming to him, coming to him, coming to him. And, it, and there was a little blurb in, in, the, the, in the readings that, you know, maybe he was waiting around for a bribe. Sounds like that kind of guy, right? You know, you, you know hey, give me a little something on the side. I'll, I'll, you know, take care of that for you. But he just, she wore him down. 
And when I first read this, I'm like, man, Jesus is comparing God to this judge? And I'm like, That's, you know, this guy was kind of a dirtbag. How can you compare God to this guy? And after I read through it a few times and prayed on it, it's like, no, he was showing the contrast between this judge and our Father God. As he didn't, you know, God's going to be there for us when we ask. We persistently pray, again, to get our minds right, to get our hearts right. So, you know, it's, it's hard because we don't have to. He's not waiting on us to, con to convince him. He's waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to pray. You know, he, he's, he can do anything like that, make it happen. But are we going to keep asking? He wants to see if we're going to keep asking again to put us in the right frame of mind. Now, my mom is a persistent prayer person. She does her rosary every single morning. You know, and it, she's disciplined about it. You do not mess with mama while she is down doing her rosary. But she does it. And she, you know, whether it's how she does it with, you know, uh, there's certain ways. I don't know if anybody grew up in the Catholic Church and the rosary is a set of beads, the cross on it. You say Hail Marys and Our Fathers or the Lord's Prayer. And you pray for people as you go through the beads. Pardon me. And... But she sticks to it. You know, she, she's a great example of knowing that if, if she keeps going and she keeps doing it, that she's, you know, she'll get, she'll start to understand. But it, and that's her way of doing it because that's the way she grew up. So I, I'm, I'm very impressed that she, she does that because there are times when I miss my prayer time. You know, I might be running to something. I might have to leave the house early. Sometimes I'll do it in the car, which is probably not the best. But, you know, um, I'm sure some of us have been there. <laughs> you know, we're running late for a meeting. We got the, hopefully got the radio off, and we're, we're saying our prayers in the car on the way to work. <laughs> um, you know, but she's very deliberate about it. She takes the time. She takes her time every morning. So to me, that impressed me, even though she's my mom and she's awesome anyway. Um, <laughs> um, she just really, uh, she just take that time. So if there's anything this week to, to really think about, sit down and, and think about when you, you know, the time you have every day. Is there some time that you can, that you're doing something else that you can put towards prayer? Two hours and 24 minutes. Is, you know, you think about it again, over the span of the day, probably not a lot of, is, is not really a lot of time. Can you take your lunch and, and go and sit outside? We're hopefully going to have some nice weather this week and pray during lunch. You know, there, there's all sorts of ways and all sorts of places we can go to pray and have that quiet time with God because that's what we need. We need to be more in line with God's word, more in line with God's heart. I said earlier, we're not going to twist God's arm and, and to our will, because it's not our will that it really runs our lives. It's his will. So take the time this week. Think about it. Really, when you get home today, take some time and really look at your week and really look at what you have planned. Most of us are going to go to work. I go to work every day. You know, what happens when we get home? Do we have that time after work? You know, our spouse has been waiting for us at home all day, so yes, we should probably give them that some time, absolutely. 
but can we take some time after that or even together, you know, as a family? Can you take the time as a family to sit down and pray together? You know, it's a great example to your kids. It's a great example to each other. You know, a lot of things come out when Danique and I pray together that we're struggling with that we might not tell each other about all the time. Because that happens. We think that, you know, especially me, you know, being the, the leader of the house and I'm supposed to be strong and I'm supposed to handle these things, is that when we pray together and then things start to tend to come out. You know, and I start to pray for things with God. And she goes, well, I didn't know that was going on. Or I say to her, hey, I, I didn't know you were going through that. You know, so praying together is a very powerful thing and, and will count towards your two hours and 24 minutes too. So. <laughs> so as we wrap up today, just remember that we, we, have to, we have to be persistent. We have to have our faith in God and we have to depend on him. And we do that all through prayer. You know, that's what he wants. At, when I talked earlier, why did God create prayer? So he could commune with us. Right? He wants to talk to us. He wants us to talk to him. You know, he's jealous. He's jealous God, right? He's jealous for our love because he should be our first love. And that, that prayer is that conversation, that time where you can commune with him. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.